This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello there, this is Fabrice. Today I'm taking you on the trail of a mathematical genius who led the FBI on one of the longest manhunts in its history. For 17 years, he sent parcel bombs from an isolated cabin in Montana. 16 bombings resulted in three deaths and 23 injuries. Among the targets were academics, scientists, computer specialists, and airline employees. They all shared a common characteristic. They were involved in the technological development of our societies, which he denounced in a manifesto published just before his arrest. According to him, our pursuit of progress would lead humanity to its downfall. His name? Theodore Kaczynski, also known as the Unabomber. From a mathematics genius to the most terrifying criminal, discover his dark destiny. April 3rd, 1996. FBI agents positioned themselves as quietly as possible around a small isolated cabin in the Lincoln Forest, Montana. Stealth is crucial. Inside that shack is one of the most wanted men in the United States. For weeks, the FBI has been surveilling the cabin, but launching an assault proves challenging. The man is an explosive expert, as proven by his 16 bomb attacks over the past 17 years. So the federal agents wait for the right moment to apprehend Theodore Kaczynski. On April 3rd, they managed to lure him out of his cabin by using a forest ranger. They arrest him, finally. Unabomber is out of action. Theodore Kaczynski could have had a completely different fate. The son of Polish immigrants, he grew up in a working-class neighborhood in Chicago. Gifted from an early age, he enters Harvard at the age of 16. His thing? Mathematics. Kaczynski has a particular affinity for numbers, but less so for his classmates. He is a very reserved young man. At school, he's often singled out as the student who skipped a grade, the overly intelligent one, always out of sync with others. The few witnesses of his childhood describe him as a walking brain or an old man before his time. At the age of 25, Kaczynski receives his doctorate from the University of Michigan. He excels academically and some of his professors even label him a mathematical genius. In 1967, he becomes an assistant professor in the prestigious Department of Mathematics at the University of Berkeley, California. Two years later, Theodore Kaczynski resigns and returns to live with his parents. In 1970, he heads to Montana. He buys a piece of land in the wilderness and builds a cabin. 
He now lives as a hermit, far away from civilization. What triggers Kaczynski's descent into darkness? It's hard to say. For some, it could be a reaction to the trauma of a psychological experiment he underwent in the 1960s. For several years while he was still a student, Kaczynski participated in interrogations conducted by Henry Murray, a psychologist at Harvard. Murray's project aimed to assess the psychological abilities of students, but these experiments bordered on mental torture. Kaczynski was bound to a chair and covered in electrodes. Murray tested on him the mind manipulation techniques developed by the CIA as part of a classified defense project. He even went as far as reading letters from Kaczynski's own mother, who labeled him a social misfit. According to some researchers, these interrogations were the breeding ground for the Unabomber's radicalization. But why the nickname Unabomber? It was the FBI who designated Kaczynski that way during their investigation. UN for University and A for Airline. University and Airline Bomber, hence Unabomber. The preferred targets of the terrorists were academics, scientists, computer specialists, and airline employees. The first partial bomb dates back to 1978. The package was found in the parking lot at the University of Illinois. The return address belonged to a professor named Christ. When he received a package he hadn't sent, he became suspicious and called the police. When the officer opened the package, it exploded in his hands, causing only minor injuries. Attacks on airlines followed with the intention of blowing up planes. However, in the early stages, Kaczynski's expertise with explosives was still relatively limited, resulting in minimal damage from the parcels. The diary found in his cabin at the time of his arrest revealed that the terrorists experienced significant frustration when the explosions didn't go as planned. The real tragedies began in 1985. That year, a graduate student from Berkeley lost four fingers and an eye due to a bomb. A few months later, the owner of a computer store was killed by a bomb addressed to him. The package had the letters FC written on it. The FBI believed it stood for fuck computers at the time but it actually meant Freedom Club. It is not incorrect to think that Kaczynski harbored deep hatred towards these machines and technology in general. His partial bombs targeted everything he believed represented the greatest threat to our civilization, the enslavement of humanity by machines. Kaczynski advocated for a return to nature. According to him, the dependency on technology was more powerful than freedom, which is why it needed to be fought against, even through violence if necessary. For 17 years, the Unabomber sent his terrifying parcels. He toyed with the nerves of the FBI agents who pursued him across the country, leading them down numerous false leads. The list of victims grew, three people died, and 23 were injured. In 1995, Theodore Kaczynski wanted to take it further. He anonymously sent letters to his victims and American media outlets. He wanted his famous manifesto to be published and threatened to kill again if his demand was denied. Fearing another attack but also hoping for a new lead, the FBI recommended that the media comply. 
On September 19, 1995, the New York Times and the Washington Post published the Unabomber's Manifesto. The text was titled, The Future of Industrial Society, and detailed the mathematician's radical technocritical thought. He justified his use of violence as follows. In my humble opinion, the use of violence against a realization of the utopia of an inhumane technological society is self-defense. Some may debate it, of course. If you think it is immoral and inappropriate, then you should avoid any use of violence. But I have a question for you in that case. What kind of violence has caused the most damage in the history of humanity? Violence authorized by states or unauthorized violence employed by individuals? The FBI had a hunch. David Kaczynski, the younger brother of the terrorist, contacted the police. He compared the Unabomber's writings to letters written by his brother. The handwriting was the same. David claimed he wanted to prevent further killings. The countdown began until the arrest on April 3, 1996, near the Unabomber's cabin. In Theodore Kaczynski's lair, authorities discovered a bomb ready to be shipped, along with a thick stack of handwritten notes, an incredibly detailed manual on bomb making. His diary was written in a cryptic language that took the FBI years to decipher. It revealed that the Unabomber had employed ingenious tricks to deceive the police during his long pursuit. He would place hairs from other people in his packages, attach shorter soles to his shoes to mislead the police about his height. Everything was meticulously calculated. During Theodore Kaczynski's trial, his lawyers attempted to argue insanity but without success. He was sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole and confined to a high-security prison in Colorado. From his cell, the Unabomber continued to write, documenting his reflections. The subject remained the same, his anti-technology obsession in a world where machines, data and screens hold an increasingly prominent place. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fabulous Destinies. Feel free to share with us stories that you would like to hear on your favorite listening platform or via Baba Bam's Instagram or Twitter page. We'll be happy to discover them.